Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. All right, my name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the White Chocolatito, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, a.k.a. Mr. New York, a.k.a. Mr. A.k.a. And this is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast in prime time. We're going to get right to it. Miles Jordan, give me something nice. Give me something new. Give me something real funky. Let's go. Yes, you hear that. Yo, we got all new banging beats. All new big body banging funky ass beats on the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. Customized one-off beats strictly for the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. Now, if you're an MC and you want to get on any one of these banging ass beats, hit us up. I Am Rappaport podcast at gmail.com. If you got any complaints, any concerns, any questions you want to rock on one of these beats, I am Rappaport Podcast at gmail.com. You hear that dirty smacker. Not only have we moved over to Luminary, but we have brand new banging I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast beats. You are listening to the I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast in high definition on Luminary. I said it once, I'm going to say it again. I said it once, I'm going to say it again. May 20th. May 20th is the day we will only be heard on Luminary. The I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast will only 
be able to be heard on Luminary. We're not fucking around anymore. We will be on Luminary Premium along with 40 plus exclusive shows starting May 20th. You can sign up, go to luminary.link slash Rappaport. That's luminary.link slash Rappaport now. We're not playing starting May 20th. That's where we will be going harder, going stronger, going bigger, and more disruptive. This is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast in prime time. Man, okay, so on today's episode, we have the guy that pretty much is one of the main people for uh, introducing the term trill into the everyday vernacular of people. Um, Talked about his record, talked about it a little bit with Static Selector. I love this record, Trill Static Bun B from UKG. Bun B and Static Selector are with me on today's Prime Time I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. This is a dope-ass interview. Bun has worked with everybody. Jay-Z. These guys have both worked with everybody. We talk about the, the making of Trill Static, uh, what it was like watching Method Man rock in the studio, uh, stories about working with Jay-Z, uh, working with Nas, Sean Price, uh, Bun B campaign, sort of, for Bernie Sanders. He's a smart dude. Uh, uh, the pride of Port Arthur, Texas. Represents Texas and Houston to the fullest. Um, later on in this primetime, I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, Bun B and the Static Selector talking about their new banging-ass record, Trill Static, which they made in 11 hours. Everybody's on there. Everybody's on that record. Fat Joe. Method Man, um, Static, yo, he worked with closely, good friend with Mac Miller, talk about him. This is a dope-ass, uh, pure hip-hop interview uh, with a legend and a legend in the making, even though uh, these guys are from Houston and uh, Static is from Boston. I don't judge them. I don't judge them during NBA playoff season. I was with... Uh, these guys, and we watched the Warriors kick the shit out of the Houston Rockets again. Um, and the Boston Celtics uh, uh, got their asses kicked by the Milwaukee Bucks. So that is now a series. Paul Pierce said it was done. He's fucking gonzo. Um, but the Warriors have the Houston Rockets as of the recording of this I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. They have them on the fucking ropes. I'm sick and tired of the whining the karate kicking, the complaining, the jostling, the working, the refs. You're supposed to be an MVP, James Harden. Chris Paul, you are, you've had MVP-like seasons. Stop the whining. Either you could beat the Golden State Warriors straight up and head up, or you can't. All the theatrics, all the showing up the referees, and you're talking to a guy or you're listening to a guy who likes to talk shit and, and, and taunt referees. You're talking to a guy who got a technical foul. I was threatened by the same referee who refereed game two of the Houston Rockets Golden State Warriors game. Not Scott Foster, the other guy. I was threatened to get thrown out, okay, of the Celebrity All-Star game in Madison Square Garden. Okay, and Chris Mullen, who was playing on the other team, said, Rap, chill. Okay, so I get fucking with refs. I fucked with a ref and got a tech during a celebrity all-star game. That's how I get down. 
Look it up. Look up the 2015 Celebrity All-Star Game. Watch about, I don't know, six, seven minutes into the first quarter. Watch me come into the game. Watch what happens. So I get it, but I'm not an MVP. I'm not Chris Paul. Complaining Chris Paul. These guys are fucking whining, flailing around. Mike D'Antoni looks like he's always always about to take a shit in his pants on the sideline. Grow your mustache back, Mike D'Antoni. Okay? You look frustrated and constipated. Those are not two things that we want from a coach who's trying to get his team to a world championship. Frustrated and constipated. Either go into the locker room and take that shit that you look like you're dying to take Fix your face and tell your fucking team to stop flailing and flopping around. Enough is enough. NBA playoffs are here. NBA uh, action is fantastic. Um, So, Pete Davidson. This fucking guy just can't get enough of whining and complaining. And uh, He's a victim. He's a lifelong victim of everybody, but he doesn't want to take any responsibility himself. Okay? Now, uh, again, this fucking guy, I've talked about him. He seems like he's a nice guy. Seems like if you met him, he'd be a cool guy. Whatever. He's a fucking baby. Okay? Uh, uh, Pete Davidson was performing at a club out there in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, And uh, before he went out there, I guess he had asked the MC. To not mention Ariana Grande and to not mention Kate Beckinsale. Why? Why can't they, why can't anybody else mention Ariana Grande and Kate Beckinsale? That's the only thing you talk about on Saturday Night Live. Whenever you've had any moments of anything substantial on Saturday Night Live, you have talked about Ariana Grande and you have talked about Kate Beckinsale. But you tell the MC not to mention them, and I think the MC did mention them before uh, he brought him out, and then he he left. He left the comedy club. You don't like the fans. See, you fuck the fans just because you mentioned them. He's an asshole. So, so, so Pete Davidson, who thinks he's a star, this dude acts like he's a fucking star. The only reason why you have any success is because you fucking talk about your relationship with Ariana Grande and Kate Beckinsale. You're not that dude. Okay, so apparently uh, the owner of the club, before he brought out Pete Davidson, he mentioned this dude. Miles Jordan, play a little bit of this clip. Hey, guys in Connecticut. I'm sorry that we had to leave the show before I got to go on. Uh, The owner, Vinnie Brand, uh, disrespected me and uh, did something that I told him not to do. And uh, I can't, you know, perform under those circumstances. So pouting Pete uh, went into his car and he left because nobody can mention Ariana and Kate. Only you can mention Ariana and Kate. Duke, that's all we know you for. Stop fucking whining, B. You haven't done anything. You're not that dude. You're not that fucking dude. These guys are soft out here, man. These guys are whining and complaining, want to control the narrative and all that, don't want to take any bumps and bruises in show business. Yo, this, this business... This business is shown, this ain't for the meek. Maybe you're not built for this. Maybe you're just a funny guy 
And, and, and maybe you're not built for this. It's his club. I, I guess the MC, uh, he's the owner of the club. That's his club. He's trying to get the crowd riled up, get them ready for you. Shit's whack. So he bailed. The crowd started booing. Good. They should start fucking booing. You should have to repay the fucking club. Maybe they'll fucking sue you. That's not how it works, Duke. That's not how it works, pouting Pete Davidson. I am Rappaport Podcast. Uh, Dick Stain Donald Trump just can't uh, get out of his own way. Um, I was going to talk about this the other day, but we got sidetracked with the John Singleton uh, tribute on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Um, and the news cycle goes so quick that uh, it, it's so easy to forget and so easy to just go, oh, yeah, we're on to the next thing. Nah. Nah, not not in not in prime time, huh. not at the I am Rappaport Stereo podcast, huh? <laughs> that ain't happening. Uh, so the other day, uh, Dick Stain Donald Trump uh, tweeted out congratulations to second round pick Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is a football player that got just got drafted by the San Francisco 49ers and an openly an open Donald Trump supporter, which I have no uh, problem with. You support Dick Stain, Donald Trump, that's on you. Uh, but there are ramifications of that. Um, so Nick Bosa got drafted second in the NFL draft. Kyler Murray got drafted first. Okay. Um, Dick Stain, Donald Trump, for some reason, uh, wanted to stir the pot. And, and he's a disruptive president. Uh, I am the great disruptor. I'm not the president. Uh, if I was the president, I'd have to I'd have to dial back all the disruption. But Dick Stain, he doesn't give a fuck. And some people say, yeah, I like that. I, I, I don't like that from any president. I don't care if it's Obama, fucking Jimmy Carter, okay, with his big fucking horse teeth, uh, Ronald Reagan, Bush, anybody. You're the president. Act like it. So Dick Stain, Donald Trump sent out a tweet congratulating Nick Bosa, who got drafted by the 49ers. Listen, now you're playing for the San Francisco 49ers. This is one of the most liberal, open-minded, gay-friendly cities in the world. Okay, so good luck with that, Nick Bosa. Good luck with all that bullshit when you're playing for the 49ers. Now, the 49er fans will embrace this freak. That's right, I called him a freak. I called him a tiki torch tough guy. Uh, some people say, oh, well, he's 6'5". He's a football player. Fuck Nick Bosa. Fuck you, Nick Bosa. I don't like you. I don't like your beliefs, Duke. I don't think you're all that. I don't think you're all that in a bag of chips. Okay? I don't fuck with Dick Stain Donald Trump. Okay? Why the fuck you worrying about uh, politics? You're 21, 22 years old. You haven't been making any money. You're not uh, uh, getting any of the tax benefits. What do you like about this guy? What do you like about him? Huh? Fuck you, Nick Bosa. I'm not rocking with you. Miles Davis of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast production team. Big time San Francisco 49er fan. Miles uh, Jordan. Let me get some more funk. Just interrupt this segment right here with some funk. There it is. Brand new funk. Brand new bangers. Okay, this is a finely tuned machine, unlike the White House. That is not a finely tuned machine. Cut that funk. 
Dick saying Donald Trump congratulated the second pick in the NFL draft. The fuck is wrong with you? If you're going to congratulate anybody in the NFL draft, congratulate the number one pick or congratulate all the players that got drafted into the NFL. Lifelong dreams that they had to work for. It wasn't handed to them like your father handed you the keys to the castle, Dick Stain. And like you handed Dick Stain Donald Trump Jr., that big tooth little chin cocksucker, the keys to the castle. See? That's how it works. So now, Nick Bosa, you got an enemy in me. Well, what's that song? You got a friend in me? Nah. I'm not rocking with you, Nick Bosa. I don't like you. I'm reading between the lines. I don't like you, Duke. Okay? I'm reading between the lines. Um, speaking of Dick Stane, Donald Trump, uh, uh, they got his man, William Barr, in front of Congress asking him all kinds of questions, uh, 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 this, that, and the third, uh, asking him uh, uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, what did you do? Why did you do this? Listen, we know that the Honorable William Barr is a bitch-ass trick. We, we, we know that he needs to lay off the ice cream. We know that he is uh, he's sitting there looking at people. He got no lips. His shit is sucked in. But I, I said it once. I said it a million times. Um, if I'm William Barr, you put me in front of Congress and you got Kamala Harris and you got all these people uh, asking me all these questions, I would say this. If I'm William Barr at this point, well, what the fuck you want to do? What, what, what do you want to do, Kamala? I, I'm not answering your question, bitch. What's Gucci? Because at this point, enough is enough. Yeah, he cheated the report. That's Dick Stain, Donald Trump's henchman, just like Himmler was Hitler's henchman. Yes, I made the comparison. But either you're going to lock him up, either you're going to impeach him, or what's Gucci? I'm tired of this shit. We need to move on. We need to get smoking Joe Biden on some HGH because he's out there stuttering and stammering, okay? You need to get Bernie Sanders. I don't know what it is about his face that just makes me nervous. And stop worrying about these people. Either you're going to impeach Duke or not. Mueller, say something. If there's something in that report that got uh, swept under the rug, speak on it. Otherwise, I'm done with all this shit. If I'm the honorable... William Barr, the lipless, honorable William Barr, they got me in front of Congress. I'm like, what's good? Fuck all that. I'm not answering. I already, I already get, yo, I don't care that Mueller worked for 22 months. Yo, I made a four-page report on his 22 months of work. What do you want to do about it? And what are they going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. They're not going to do anything about it. We need to move forward. The only way to take down Dick Stain, Donald Trump, the, the simplest way is to vote. He's not getting impeached. Vote. Register to vote right now, okay, and get out there and fucking vote. Otherwise, I don't want to hear about it. I'm sick and tired of this shit every single day. Every single day, they're in front of Congress. Every single day, there's a new wing and a prayer. Every single day, there's a, a brand new Hail Mary it ain't happening. Fuck all that. Um, sad but true. 
there's been two shootings in public places in the last four days, and they're not even big news. They're not big deal because the carnage wasn't enough. I know that sounds sick and desensitized, but that is the uh, reality at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, a, a guy who looks like a sick fuck. Uh, looks like he's a straight up uh, simian. Look like an uh, Iceman. You know when they found the caveman in the ice who had been frozen away for 300 years? That's what this guy, Tristan Andrew Terrell, he walked into the University of North Carolina, Charlotte the other day, killed two people, injured two more out of nowhere. Said, I just went into the classroom and shot the guys. The other day in San Diego, only one person was killed. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. Only one person was killed when somebody went in there with intent to kill hundreds. Uh, went into a synagogue, uh, injured uh, a few people and killed one person. Uh, in the uh, in the world of shootings, this is not a big deal. To, to normal people, it's a big deal. It should be a big deal. This should be a tragedy. This should be something that breaks your heart. But we're so desensitized. We're so used to it. It's so common. It feels like once a week there is a shooting. And even if it's 30 people, 17 people, yeah, you're upset about it. 50 people. We pray about it. We never forget about it. We post Instagram about it. All of us, me too. I'm no better. We're all desensitized from these shootings. So only two people got killed at the University of North Carolina. So that'll make it, by the time you listen to this I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, the news won't even be talking about it. The synagogue where only one person was killed, but the guy went in there with intent to kill uh, as many as he could, Forget that. That's nothing. Oh, he didn't reach double digits? It's nothing. Terrible. Fucking terrible. Sad. This is this is where we are at, and this is the world that we, we are living in. That these that these shootings are just they're just old hat. They just they just take place. I am Rappaport Podcast. So Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. I know more about them than I should. Kanye West is, he's done. Um, the great Muhammad Ali fought Trevor Burbick. The great Muhammad Ali fought Larry Holmes. He was done. Now, I'm not comparing Kanye West to Muhammad Ali in any way, shape, or form. I'm just using it as a great uh, uh, reference of a, of a guy who is uh, clearly not the same person. There's been many fighters. Uh, they get out there. They're done. The great Mike Tyson, he had a string of fights. He just wasn't the same fighter anymore. It happens. Um, well, Kanye West and is washed. He, he, he's running around dressed up like he's a, a monk. Uh, he, I mean, I'm not into fashion and style, but my man, have a little pride. Have a little pride in yourself, Duke. You look like you just escaped a methadone clinic. Okay? You look crazy. you out there wearing kung fu shoes uh, monk shoes. You look nuts. First you was talking all that fly Gucci shit. Now you want to uh, 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 act like a nomad. But you're driving around in a Rolls Royce. Why don't you get a bicycle? If you're really about that life, get a horse-pulled buggy. Okay? Because you look dusty. 
Um, but uh, Kanye West and and, and Kim Kardashian, uh, either they, they're about to welcome or they're having, they had a surrogate. I watched the show. My, I, now, I, I am proud, bravo, a Housewives fan, proud. And I really, truly wish uh, I had more communication from other people that listen to the Housewives on this show. Because I, I have so much to say about the real Housewives, and I have no one to share it with on the Iron Rap. I don't want to alienate fans. I don't want to sit here and talk to you about the greatness of Real Housewives of New York, the season that's going on right now. I don't want to talk to you about Denise Richards on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I know a lot of fans right now are like, what the fuck are you talking about, Duke? That's why I don't bring it up. Okay? That's why I don't bring it up. I'm not going to sit here and indulge uh, myself with the magic of Real Housewives of New York right now and have fans... Loyal listeners, new listeners from all across the globe go, what are you talking about, B? We didn't come here for all that. So I'm going to move on. But I do watch the Kardashians with my wife. I kind of, I'll be on my phone. Maybe I'll be reading my script for Atypical Season 3, which we're shooting right now. See how I plugged that in there? I plugged it in. I'm aware. Trust me, I'm aware. We're all the screaming, the yelling, and the disruption. The gringo man dingo. Okay, he's aware, the champ, that's what they call me, the champ, aware of it all. Um, but here's a question I have. So Kim Kardashian had a CBD-themed uh, uh, a party for her uh, baby shower. Rest assured, Kim Kardashian is going to uh, jump into the CBD, the cannabis and weed world, and make a fortune. And God bless her. Yo, make all the fucking money you want. I want anybody who has the opportunity to make money, whether you're Kodak, Whack, Little Nas X, I don't want to shit on anybody's bag of money. Do your thing. I'm going to talk shit about it, but I'm not going to stop you from making money just because I talk shit about it. Pete Davidson, do your thing. You complain about living in your mother's basement, yet you walk out on the opportunity to headline a comedy show? What do you want to do, B? Do you want to continue being a 25-year-old living in your mother's basement? Because I know they're not paying you a lot of money on Saturday Night Live. Trust me. You got an opportunity to make uh, yourself self-sufficient. Get underneath your mom's tit. You're living in your mom's basement, yet you walk out on the opportunity to headline a comedy show? Fuck out of here. And then you're complaining about it? Fuck out of here, Duke. But Kim Kardashian, the Kardashians, Kendall, Kylie. I mean, if you look at pictures of Kendall and Kylie Jenner, no, the one is really pretty, the, 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 the Kendall. She's actually pretty. I don't think she's altered her body at all. She's model status. Uh, the sister, who's with Travis Scott, uh, she looked like a Muppet. A few years ago, and then she got a full makeover. My suggestion is this. Fuck the makeup line, the lipsticks. Fuck the CBD and all the jeans that you guys are selling. If you really, really want to make that billion collectively, Kardashian asses. We all want to know the secret to success. How do you guys have those big, bloated, fake but real-looking asses. 
Share it with the world. You're up there sharing your life. You share your pornos. You share all the shit that you want to share. You threw Jordan Woods under the bus. Start selling those asses. That's how you'll definitely make a billion dollars. Open clinics. Open ass sanctuaries. And let everybody else, all the women out there that love and admire those big, fat, fake asses. And rest assured, those asses are fake. Those asses are enhanced. Fuck the lipstick. Fuck the CBD. Fuck all the jeans and all the other bullshit you guys are selling. If you want to get on your Warren Buffett and your Bill Gates, Chris Kardashian, push the button and start selling the secrets of those fake fucking asses. Stop playing games with these people. You want to be Mark Zuckerberg? You really, really, really want to make the money? Every I want to know how you get the masses, and I don't even want one of those asses. I want just I want to know the science behind those fucking asses. Because I watched that show with my wife, and I'm just baffled. I'm like, look at these fake fucking asses. By the way, I saw... Uh, here's a story. Here's a fucking story for you people. I saw um, Tristan Thompson... Yeah, at my little local coffee spot the other day. Yeah, because he's out of the playoffs because he plays for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, he was there with his homies. And uh, I don't know who it was, his friends. And I was leaving. And I said, what's up, man? You need to get out of... Because uh, remember, we interviewed him on the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. Remember that? So the other time I met him, I was interviewing at the finals, uh, 2018... 17, when we were in Cleveland. Yes, Broomgate. 2017, when we were in Cleveland, when I brought out the fucking broom right before game three. Uh, so I saw him. I said, yo, Duke. Yo, what's up, man? He said, what's up? I said, uh, uh, you need to get out of Cleveland. He says, I like Cleveland. I was like, shit. All right, well, God bless you, man. Enjoy it. I kept it moving. Uh, I didn't get the vibe that he really wanted to talk, and I realized afterwards the reason why I didn't get the vibe that he really wanted to talk is because I'm almost certain. I don't know what Duke looks like, uh, but I'm almost certain because I was like, this dude's face looks familiar. Um, I'm almost certain he was with his agent who is LeBron's boy, that dude, Rich Paul. Of course, he didn't want to speak to me. His man was all looking at his phone, turning sideways and all that shit, Rich Paul. You could say what's up to me, B. Don't be nervous. I know you're from, listen, I know you're corny, all right? I know you're from Akron. I know your whole, your whole style is based on knowing LeBron James. When you see me, because when I see you the next time, Rich Paul, I'm going to say, what's, what's good? You want to represent me? You an agent. You want to represent the gringo man, Dingo? Um, but the Kardashians, yeah, so I saw so I saw Tristan Thompson. It was it was short but brief, but I'm I'm almost a hundred percent sure he was with his man, uh, uh Rich Paul, who's LeBron James flunky. That's that's yo, that is a true blue LeBron James flunky. I am Rappaport Podcast. Oh, what else is going on? So I'm getting ready to go on a plane to fly to Las Vegas to host the Big Three draft. 
It's Big Three time. Uh, the Big Three is coming. We're doing it this summer. I'm going to be on most of the dates. I can't do every single date. They're going to have games uh, starting Ju June 21st. Uh, they're going to have games. I think the first game is in Atlanta. Then they're going to Nashville and Philly and D.C. And, you know, the whole run. It's going to wind up in L.A. And yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm going to be rocking on the sideline with my brand of unprecedented access. Uh, I'm so happy to be a part of the big three. I love all the haters try to uh, diminish what it is. Third year, it's gotten bigger and bigger. Why are you shitting on Ice Cube? Why are you shitting on Kenyon Martin? Why are you shitting on Dr. J? Why are you shitting on Steven Jackson? Why do you want to try to uh, diminish what they've done? You don't like hip-hop? Why do you want to see the big three fail, Duke? I had to, I had to talk to somebody online, some big sports uh, business guy. He said, the big three tournament. I said, nah, Duke, this ain't no tournament, B. Fuck is you saying? Apologize to Ice Cube. Chickity, check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. He wound up doing it. I can't remember his name. I don't like that. These guys are working hard. Take it real seriously. A lot of good people involved with the big three. Whether you rock with it or not, don't try to uh, marginalize the accomplishment. You know how hard it is to start a three-on-three -three basketball league when you don't have uh, uh, direct support from the NBA? The NBA isn't supporting... The big three, they should. They should buy the big three. They're probably going to wind up uh, stealing the idea and doing their own thing. That's whack. Yo, cut Ice Cube in on it. This is a great idea. He's been working his ass off for going on to the third year of getting this league going. It gets bigger and bigger. Don't disrespect it. Anyway, I'm going down there to Vegas for the draft. I can't wait to see everybody. You got a lot of good players playing in the uh, in the league this year. Lamar Odom, which will be a huge story. Yo, if Lamar Odom could get out there and play in the big three, and he looks like Lamar Odom. And if he's taking care of himself and he and he's sober and he's in his right uh, mind, he will be substantial and he will look good. You've seen him on Instagram and all that stuff, um, and and a bunch of big players. Uh, the teams haven't been sorted out because we haven't done the draft. But I'm on my way down there. I want to give a shout out to Bushwick Bill. Speaking of Houston legends, speaking of uh, impact and hip, hip hop, Bushwick Bill, the little dude from the Ghetto Boys. Uh, has announced that he's got stage four, which I, I don't think it's good. Stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, so maybe uh, the biggest little man, um, iconic, totally uh, one of a kind, uh, uh, can, can push through and pull off a great comeback. Uh, um, but he's got stage four pancreatic cancer. So sending thoughts. Everybody loves the Ghetto Boys. Uh, he's a fucking pioneer, one of one. Uh, and the Ghetto Boys, that would be a documentary or a movie I would love to see. For sure. I would even be uh, down to make that documentary uh, because those dudes coming from where they came from and the Ninth Ward and all that, that world that they were talking about when they first were talking about it, and Willie D, Bushwick Bill, and Scarface, the Ghetto Boys... I know they got stories upon stories upon stories. Uh, so uh, 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 sending sending love and thought to Bushwick Bill. Let's get to it. Bun B, Static Selector, Trill Static, coming up on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. This is a good one. All hip 
hop, everything. Great stories from both of these guys. They've had long careers, worked with so many people, and they just did a dope-ass record in one evening, in one eleven, in, in 11 hours. We're going to talk how they made that record. Has it changed the way they will make records in the future? So many people they worked with, like I said, Sean Price, Mac Miller, Nipsey Hussle, Jay-Z, Nas. They both collectively have worked with everybody, Drake, and so forth, and so on. Bun B, the man, one of the people who brought the word trill into the everyday lexicon. Coming up on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, Static Selector and Bun B. It's been a long time coming, but it's better than never, though. It's Bun B, the boat of the veteran I forever go. Hard in the paint and still represent for the underground. And still going harder than these other clowns. Don't fuck around. This ain't chess or checkers, man. This is real life. And these dirty niggas is still shite. I still might have to go back to my old ways. And even though I know this ain't the old days when I used the whole case, I still handle shit like a gangster or gentleman. We ain't got to bring in Middleman. I'm speaking for the trill and I'ma stand on it Put your hand on it, I'ma leave you laying where you stand Understand, homie, it's that triple OG That like to smoke and keep it low-key What you doing now, I did in 03, don't hold me I paid the cost to be the boss, now I'm the CEO You came up short, moving too slow, nigga, C3PO Or R2D2, that's right, I see you, you see through And you won't live to see the sequel Don't fuck with me, fool, I'm gassed up, don't need fuel Say it clear so it ain't gotta be EQ You free food and it's a frenzy So you know I'ma hop off in the benzy And mash the fuck out to where the ends be You think you better bitch convince me Cause I'm simply the best to ever do this shit Put that on Pimp C Alright Trill Static are you legend status? Static? I, I'm, I let the people call it. I don't. I, I don't think it would be appropriate. I think it's corny anytime someone calls himself that. Okay. Without you know the world calling them that. So. Okay. 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 Well, we have one on the rise. Let the people yeah. decide it. Someday. I Very hope. respected. Someday. He's had some legendary moments. He's had a, quite a few legendary moments, um, and then one legitimate, groundbreaking, legitimate legend, Bun B. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I've been excited since I heard about this record that you guys did, Trill Static. Yes. So my first question is this. Why did you guys, after all the recording processes you've done, all the different recordings and budgets, big budgets, smaller budgets, no budgets, fucking basements, right? doing it for the love, why do you decide in this day and age to do a record in one evening? Where did the idea come from, and what did you guys take away from like the technique of making a record after having all that experience of big budgets, no budgets, sort of big budgets? Well, I had the idea back in uh, 2009. Me and Saigon were just like messing around the studio, and we did a song, and then he's like, throw in another one, and we were just you know drinking whatever. We, we had six records done, and we were like, hey, let's make it 10, and we, we did a whole album in one day, but there was no technology behind it, so... When we told everybody we did it, most people didn't believe us. So then in 2011, uh, me and Term, me and Freeway, and me and Freddie Gibbs, three separate times, made EPs on live stream with like, you know, five, six records. And the, the idea always stuck with me. Like, I wanted to keep doing it and just, you know, life life goes on. And I just didn't get to do it for a long time after that. And then Bun called me one time and he was like, I want to get like two or three records when I come up to New York. 
So I was like, no problem. Just hit me when you're in town. And we hung up. And I called him right back. I was like, bro, why don't we just do a project live like the way I did it with Gibbs? And, you know, I was like, it's so easy because Bun's one of the only people that writes at the speed he writes at. There's a couple, like Freeway was one of them. Certain people can do it. But Bun, like I've seen him do verses in five minutes from scratch. So I'm like, we could do it easy. But even to make it funner, let's invite some of our friends through. So it was like, if me and Bun just want to do an album, we could have done it in like, we probably could have done it in two hours, three hours. And, and how does that work for you? Because I, listen, I love rap music, but I'm not a rapper. And, right. and, and I, I've never got out of the, the, the second verse. I never, never got out of the second line. I'm always good with one line. I've got, I got great first opening line, right. and I got nothing to connect it to. So, so how does that work for you to be able to, like, are you writing to the beat? Like, for this particular album, I'm sure it's changed over the years, but for right. this particular album, and you know it's sort of a time crunch, you know there's, you're sort of putting the pressure on yourself. How does it work in terms of writing? And are you writing to the beat? Like, you know, and then different people started dropping by. It really turned into sort of this free-for-all yeah, of yeah. support. So, yeah, so the idea was to, um, you know, basically, Static would cut on the track. Um, I would write to it, um, depending on whether or not it was. I, I had already decided that the intro would be just me and the outro would be just me, but the other eight were kind of going to be up for grabs. And um, I would just start writing to something, and um, some of the other guys maybe would have their verse. They would go in and knock it out. But I wanted to make sure that everybody saw me write every rhyme that I said that night. Got you. You know what I'm saying? Like Why? That was, Why did you want that? Well, I mean, I mean, you wanted like the process to be organic. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to sit there because here's the thing, right? If you write a rhyme on Monday and but you're not going to the studio till Friday, all kind of shit is gonna happen Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that could inform the rhyme you was writing on Friday. So if you just wait till it's time to go in and you write it in real time, it can be as current as possible. Right. I got you. And what? Uh, uh, how did it feel for you guys? Like you, you had this this small plan, right. and I'm sure there were sort of people invited. Static, you mentioned that you know this one and that one started hearing about the project, and everybody started dropping in. What did it mean to you to get that support from people impromptu? You know, everybody's busy, everybody's lazy, everybody's addicted to our phones now. What did it mean for people to show up for you guys? Me and Bone were just texting each other like ideas, names, and it was just like, yeah, hit him. You know, just pretty much everybody we thought of came through but to see someone like fat joe see it on he was watching it live and he's like nah i gotta go through and like we didn't even invite him he showed up i mean he's that's family but like to see him he got out of bed and came to the studio and like he i think he was more excited than anybody like he really it was a moment you know so like that that says it all because guys like that don't have to you know, none of these dudes had to do it, but it's like it brought everybody back to like that feeling as a kid making hip hop, like just having fun with it. Right. And, and bum for you, too. And, and, you know, and also like talk about like, I mean, I, I believe you guys were in New York when you did it, right? Yeah. And, and talk about you're one of the first Houston rappers who was well, sort of co-signed. Port say, Arthur. Port Arthur. Yeah. Port Arthur. Sorry. Um, Texas, but, dude, but, yeah. who was co-signed by New York rappers right. early. You know, obviously Face. Um, but what is? The, how did that even happen? You sort of have this connection and this sort of UGK got that cosign from New York, like, and especially at the time because hip hop was so regional. I don't think there was hating, but it was like there was a New York sound, and then there was a West Coast sound, and then you guys had this Southern sound, and right. then Outkast came with their sound, and then Florida. But it was very distinct sounds to the voices, to the slang, to the beats, to everything. How did that connection work for you way back in the days? Well, I think it, it, it comes down to, like, leaving your world and going out and seeing other people's worlds. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, a lot of us had these preconceived notions about what life was like in these other places. So we would listen to the music and be like, okay, well, it's this and that. But then you would hear different artists talking about the streets in a way that, you know, hold, hold on, that that sounds familiar. I, I, I know what that is, but we don't call it that. You know what I'm saying? But I know what that is. I know what they're talking about. So once you start listening to the music and start learning the, the language, like it was a big thing for us to like figure out like, like say Eric B and Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and all the Five Percent Nation, um, you know references that would be in all the rhymes, and we didn't really have that. My homie Shaquem was the one that put me on the mathematics, and that helped that like open up hip hop hip hop to me. You know what I'm saying? I really understood poor righteous teachers and brand Nubians and all these different people now. You know, hey, but you were still you were still in Port Arthur. Yeah, yeah, and so you know having a more informed view gives you an opportunity to inform your rhymes on a level to where people are like okay. He knows what's up. He's been around. Son's been around. A right. Bit, you know what I'm right. saying? And then we would go with it. Like, we went to New York, and me and Pimp jumped in the cab. We went in Manhattan. We jumped in the cab, and it was like, yo, take us to Harlem. You know what I'm saying? So he dropped us off on 145th in Amsterdam. It was like, welcome to Harlem. And we just walked around. We got a haircut and ate some Jamaican food, and we were trying to tell dudes who we were, but they didn't know the music. You right. know what I'm saying? But we were just on the block, and people here, they're like, yo, you weren't supposed to do that, fam. Like, right. you could have got robbed out there. I was like, man, I wasn't worried about that, you know? But um, it was it was a good time, man. And, you know, we had a lot of people like Keith Murray who, you know, um, had come down where we were and had been around us and in the, the world. And, and we kind of knew how everybody got down. Lord Jamal has been a lifelong friend as far as his music game has been concerned. He's always... Um, opened up his, his world in New York to us and kind of rode us around through Brooklyn and Washington Avenue and places and right. getting weed. And back then, you used to be getting chocolate tie. You had to, right. to go in the hood to get chocolate tie and then going over to Branson and spots like that. You right. know, we used to have good times in New York. We always have, I always have good times in New York. And when you were in Port Arthur, like, you know, oh, you know, now everybody can listen to everything. And right. it's not like you, it was the 60s and 70s, but like, you know, in the 80s, where where was hip hop coming from? How was it making its way to you? Uh, you know, because it wasn't as accessible. Yeah. You know, there was record stores. You know, there was mixtapes. Like, what were you guys getting well, even before you started U UGK? Well, if you wanted to to hear music, you had to get as close to a DJ as possible because the DJs were going to be the guys that had the records. And so back then, they used to have what they called record pools, where DJs would sign up, they would pay a fee, and every month they would get a bunch of different records from all over the country to start playing and getting mixed. You know, different guys had record pools. So in, in Houston, it was Steve Fournier was the guy that had the record pool. So you would try to get next to DJs that were getting their records from Steve Fournier. Okay. Because they would have the most up-to-date records as far as what was going on in hip-hop. Okay. Um, and Static, okay, back to the record. You know, I was listening to a lot of UGK this morning when I knew we were going to get this done. Right. And something that I've always loved about your music, there's always soul, there's a soulfulness in a lot of it. I mean, there's different you know, joints and stuff like that. But you have a lot of soul samples and all that shit. The world of sampling has changed crazy. You can't just pick and choose. I don't know if you can. Maybe now you can. Well, what are the rules with sampling and how has it affected, changed the way you make a song that's going to be put out into an actual record? It's been such a headache that actually most of this album sample free. It's samples that like I had friends create, like this dude Dream Life and another one's this dude Marv Four Beats. They make original samples inspired by records, but that way you don't have to deal with the headache. So like recently I did two songs on Wiz Khalifa's album and one of the samples wanted eighty grand. I've never seen that in my life. What was the sample? It was a um 
Oh, it was a crazy. really obscure 80s record. But the thing is, it's not the artist that's doing that. You got like Wall Street groups and, you know, different corporations buying people's catalogs because they think they can get rich off of people, you know, clearing the samples. Well, they played themselves because we replayed the sample enough to where we didn't even have to credit them at all. And now instead of they might have got like 15, 20, maybe 10 grand for the sample. Now they get nothing. And the record still came out. And, they, you know, they, they wanted 80 grand for a random like sample. That's and not all the worth- publishing. It's bananas. Like because you got yeah. all these people that don't understand the music controlling the masters of this shit. It's like I run into it a lot, like a lot. a lot. But, but like what was the sample that worked out? I mean, you guys had heavy shit. Like right. big fucking songs. Like, what was the sample that uh, uh, that didn't work out for you that you remember? I mean, going way back, because you guys uh, were like deep in the soul shit. I remember um, the original song that we made for um, we were on the Minister Society soundtrack. Right. So the original song that we made was called uh, Mac Man, and that was a sample in the, in the song that had Mac Man grooving down the ghetto streets. I don't want to act like I can sing or that like that, but that was the sample, and Jive wouldn't pay for it. Okay. And so we were already in the studio. And we were like, well, we got the Pocket Full of Stones remix. And they was like, well, give us that. And then that's the that's one the that ended UK up going on um, on the Pocket soundtrack. And that was the one that really, like, it took off. For that me. was a big song. Yeah. Um, and, and, Which so, the, uh, and I don't think the other song would have connected as strongly either. And well, what did it mean to have that? Like, because for me, that was, that was like, I had heard UGK. But when that Menace soundtrack, I mean, that soundtrack was so classic. And it's when soundtracks were so exciting, you know, and you'd break artists, you'd hear remixes from artists, there'd be weird shit on soundtracks. Like one of my favorite songs on a soundtrack was the Tupac Pain joint on Above the Rim that I think was either on the CD only. Cassette only. Or the cassette only. And like, that's it. And that's one of my favorite Tupac joints. But it was like soundtracks were exciting. What did it mean to have that, that national recognition for the song um and on that soundtrack where it's like the, the whole world discovered you guys although you had been rocking for a few years before just the whole idea of being involved with a movie soundtrack and a film itself was crazy because when we agreed to do something for it they sent me the script and they sent me like three clips from the movie oh shit you know what i'm saying and so we were at the house like reading the script and then watching and then the first thing we see is the <laughs> corner store where they shoot the dude she was the, the owner of the store. The Korean uh, yeah. owner. And, that's, and we were like, yo, this movie. Fit. And I'm telling everybody, yo, come to the house, fool. Come to the house, fool. You got to come see this movie. We finna do a song for this whole, you know what I'm saying? And uh, everybody came over, showing them them little clips. And when he shot the dude for the cheeseburger, we like, yo, what the fuck kind of movie is this finna be? You know what I'm saying? But um, And then it had a different ending, too. It didn't have the same ending. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But I think they did that on purpose so that we wouldn't know exactly how the movie ended. Right. But, um, you know what I'm saying, and then, like, making the song and then not having the one that we wanted to be on the soundtrack, but then the one that ends up on the soundtrack ends up being, like, a big record for us anyway. And it just started making us really feel like we were really in the hip-hop game. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, with the big boys. Right. Um, all right, so back to this to this record, the recording. Static, I, I last time you were on the podcast, we talked quick about Met The Man, who... That's my favorite song right now on the record. And and he's so fucking good. So first static. When people hear producer, we think you make the beats. Right. And and then that's it. How do you produce a song with somebody who's as good as Method Man, someone uh, who's as good as Bun? What does producing mean for a song like that? Specifically, how did that song happen with Meth? Because he kills that shit. And your voices are so different. You know what's funny? Actually, this is the definition of producing because... 
we you know we had picked some of the beats out. Some of the beats got picked last minute, but we picked out some of the beats ahead of time. And Bun was like, "Yo, I sent uh, I sent Meth a certain beat," and I was like, "Oh, I was thinking about the one with the Nas scratch on it." And he's like, "Which one's that?" And I texted to him, and he switched it and sent him that one. And then when yo, I said it last time on the podcast, Meth showed up a day early by mistake. So Term goes outside and he's like, yo, Method Man's outside. And I go inside and he's like, it's not tonight? We're like, nah, it's tomorrow. So he was there a whole day early and he's like, yeah, man, I'm working on my verse, but I'll see you tomorrow. And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, there's a chance he might not come tomorrow because, you know, the fact you got Method Man going to Brooklyn anyway, right? I, you know, who knows? And right. he, was, he was on point the next night, ready to rock. Take it slow. Look. Yo, it's like Primo and Guru. Gang of stars dipping features like a Zulu. Before this rhyming, I was noodles. And two shot, shot, Kaja Gugu. If y'all don't get the reference, y'all can Google. Y'all stepped in some doodle. An apparent mistake, that's why your parents call you Boo Boo. Give me time to combine with my dogs, Labradoodles. Button beat, cow, smoke that Buku. W on my crown, that's that Bufu. Only got half a screw loose. You get half of the stock, that's some Fufu. Keep a bird on the clock, that was cuckoo. Not the rapper you used to. What these rappers be lacking is the scruples. What you see is the master through the pupils. And I'm back with the voodoo. You a bottle of you who said backwards now who you? Your resistance is futile. When the kid in the kitchen, you get the kid in caboodle. I don't talk it, I live it. If I don't get it, then you do. That goes for Bono and you too. I'm like a sawed off shotgun. Cause less is more. Hit your front door with a hot one. Player, if you want to get some, then I got some. Trust me, you ain't leaving the body here without some. Step to beat and yo, you know the outcome. I'm never outdone. Boy, you going home with your mouth numb and a swole lip. Cause I'ma give you them hands and I'ma give you the whole clip. So don't trip and don't slip because you never stop sliding, bro. You already know what we riding for. Stop hiding, ho. Come out of the cave you crawl back into. You've been through and this game over for you and them too. To let you make it is sinful. Blasphemy. So when I'm done with you, you won't remember nothing after me. I take it further than it has to be. Take it, bun, method, and graph. Static selector, bring the break in. Uh. Yeah, it was funny because he called me. And um, at, up until that point, we had only been communicating through email. And so I'm in the kitchen and the phone rings. And I'm like, hello. He's like, yo, I'm outside. What's the code? I'm like, outside of where? There ain't no code. It, who is this? Yo, it's Meth. I'm outside. What's the code? Meth? Oh, sorry. Wrong number. He hangs up. And I'm like, what the hell? And then it calls right back. And I'm like, Hello? It's like, bun. I'm like, yeah, this is meth. I'm outside. What's the code? What button I put? I'm like, meth, it's tomorrow. <laughs> Get the fuck out of no here. There's no code, by the way, which is the funniest part. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, fam, it's tomorrow. But damn, thank you so much for, yeah. you know, being like, he said, no, nah, bun, I'm with you on this. All right, so I'll be back tomorrow. I'm like, oh, damn, I felt good. I was like, well, shit, meth is really, really excited about being on this project. I'm like, he came a day early. I better make sure that I'm ready physically and mentally for this because it's going to be on in this bitch. Because that motherfucker, when he's, I mean, he, when he's he on the right beat. so good, right? Why, why is it? Like, explain to me, like, as a fan, break it down to me. Give me the analytics of Method Man. Method Man's rhymes have a certain physicality to it, right? That is, like, just like him. Right, if you know him and the way he moves, like his rhymes move like him. You know what I'm saying? And he has a certain way with with language, right? Like once he 
has that one that he wants to lock in, he can rock with that all day long. And for some MCs, you can get a good two, four bars out of it. If you're nice with it, you might be able to go eight, but then you got to switch to another set of syllables or whatever. You got to switch to another cadence. And he just wrote that bitch all the way through. And, and not only wrote it, because sometimes in order to make certain things rhyme, it'll be maybe you know, a word and a half, and then you finish the next line with, you start the next line with the other half of that word. You you break things up as you need to to, to do in order to get the, the language that you want from it. And so every bar doesn't it maybe have the same impact because you're just trying to find something to rhyme with what you just rhyme with. Meth had punchline after punchline after punchline based on the bar that he chose or the, the syllables that he chose to keep as a refrain throughout every bar. And that's really, really hard to do as a writer. I got you. You've worked with so many fucking people. Yes. And, and I'm sure if I ask you this now, like 15 minutes later, you could think there's, uh, you know, other people that pop in your head. But tell me some other moments when you've worked with MCs. Uh, um, you've worked, you know, Drake. Hove, uh, and I'm sure there's studio sessions that you just were at with different people you've come across. Tell me some other people you've been with, MCs or even producers that have choppied that you were just like, this is a talented motherfucker. That stick out in your head when I ask that question. Um, wow, that's that's a really good question. I love when someone says that's a really good question. Um, I'd have I'm not to, a really good MC. I'd have to say Big Crit is really impressive. Why? As I've known him over the years, he's gotten better progressively. Right. As a writer, um, taking life influences and putting them into the songs, like using the songs as a, as its own self therapy, like like really being a bearing himself. You know what I'm saying? And because I know him personally, I know how much of himself that he's really giving to the music that he's making. Mm -hmm. And to just watch this kid just grow as a producer, as a writer. I mean, I brought him in as my EP for my last solo album, you right. know what I'm saying? He was my musical director. He and my wife executive produced the album. And, you know, I just kind of sat back and I just let him, you know, point me in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? And he's much more than just an artist, you know what I'm saying? I really think he is art itself. I got you. That's dope. Is there anybody else over the years that you were just like, damn? Twister, watching Twister oh, Layer verse in real life was like exciting. I used to stay in a, in a house um, down the street from the Suave House studio. Like, we live, like, literally, like, a block away from Suave House studio, and it was the house that I had. I was in, with a group called The Middle Fingers at the time. It was, like, five of my homies and me just, like, doing some really, really thuggish, like, underground rap shit just to have fun. And um, they would come down to the house because, you know, it was a trap, you know, so we would have the trees or whatever. I can say that now because it's, it's it's over with. But they would come down. So then one day they was like, yo, twist at the house, twist the land, the verse tonight. I'm like, yo, I'm coming through that motherfucker. And just to watch that level of breath control, right, just the, the way that he's able to say things. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say it wrong, but I mean, like, the way he can use words and say words and the way he can break these things down. And, da -da 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 -da. and he was doing all that shit in front and of you. Right in front of you. Like, it was, I was like, yo, this is crazy. It's not a studio trick, right? Because a lot of this shit can be studio tricks one time. You can try to pull a cheat code out every now and then. But, um, you know, and this was still in the earliest days of, of Pro Tools because, you know, Pro Tools, I don't think people realize how, you know, Pro Tools is a relatively new, relatively new uh, concept in hip hop. But... Yeah, watching Twister lay a verse, and um, we always talk about, my wife always talks about 
um, when I did the verse with Jay-Z, um, Jay-Z did a verse on a song called Get Throwed on my solo album, Trill. And we're all just kind of like sitting in a room and we're talking, we're having a conversation like for 30, 40 minutes, like just a very in-depth conversation about different things, how you been, how's life, you know, yada, yada, yada. How's your brother, all of this stuff. And then um, he's like, all right, I'll be right back. And then got up and went and spit his verse. <laughs> and I'm like. You know what's funny? I have the like, same he, exact story about Nas. Like, when did he write this they verse? They do it while they're like, it's crazy. And he literally was writing a rhyme in the middle of us having a conversation mentally. That's fucking nuts. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, and it's crazy. Like, we're watching it, and I'm like, he, he didn't have it already. Like, because some of the shit in the verse is about what the fuck we was talking yeah. about. So That's fucking you crazy. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, damn, this dude, this dude might be the best ever. Like, I'm, I'm in that moment. Cause I always, you know, really look at myself as being a really, really good rapper, and yeah. I can go toe to toe, and I go ball for ball with everybody. But the creative process is what really separates MCs, right? To me, you know what I'm saying. Not and everybody's about, process is different, and right. that's why I'm, I'm saying, cause, cause you're, you're a formidable motherfucker, right? And, and it's just like when you, like when I'm acting with somebody, sometimes I see somebody's talent, and I'm like, this motherfucker's talented, yeah, and you know, yeah. it's just you're like, you just respect it, and it's just a it's different amazing. approach. Yeah, and, and you know, because you're always looking at the level of execution, and I'm like, all right, what did it take to construct that? Because that's a very complex rhyme, and them last four bars, or that that's really hard to put together, and what were the frames of references for that, and how did you put all that shit together? And, you know, everybody doesn't create the same, and I don't knock anybody, it's not a contest, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? As long as your shit is hard, I don't care if you're writing five minutes, five hours, or five days. Right. You know what I'm saying? As long as your shit is hard and it's what I expect from you in the moment, I mean, in the moment of, for the for the music, I'm good with it, Right. you know? But, yeah, just watching that, just in that speed with that, just with that, that technique and the precision of it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And it was probably two takes. That's fucking dope. Yeah, it was probably two takes, I think. All right, so static. You've worked so follow up with the with your Nas. Nah, we uh, it was the same thing, man. I was in the studio with Nas and my man Dom and um, Fashion, and I was like, you know, they called me. The label called me in to work with Fash, which I usually don't do. I usually like make artists come to Brooklyn, but they just opened a new studio in Mass Appeal, so I went over there, and they were like, "Yo, there's a chance Nas will pull up." So I was like, "All right, cool, I'll go over there," because I was gonna tell Fash to come to me. And then we uh, we went over there, and Nas pulled up, and he just we sat there and talked for like an hour, and Fash laid his verse, and we're sitting there talking about all kinds of stuff, talking about airplanes and like, just like random shit. And all of a sudden, Fash is like, "Yo, Nas, you you think you got a hook for this? Because he's you know I see that he's feeling the beat." And Nas is like, "Put the mic on." He just gets up and goes in and spits the whole verse, and he's like, "All right, yo, I'm about to be out." I'm like, me and Fash just looked at each other like, "What the fuck just happened?" We didn't. We didn't think at all Nas was gonna get on it. We were just talking. Like I was just happy to be there having the convo and all that. And Nas just laced the joint. It's out. It's called Apostles. It came out like a couple months ago. I gotta check that shit. That's crazy. Um, Static. Who else? You've worked with so many different MCs, and I'm sure you've been a, been witness to other songs that you're just at sessions. When I say like people that impressed you with uh, their rhymes, yeah. the rappers. Who comes to here? Let me throw names at you first. Sean, Sean Price. Sean Price was like another one that the conversation happens for eight hours and then he lays the verse. Like Sean would come through and like not even rap and leave, and I'd be like, we didn't do nothing today, and that's rare because usually like I, I'm I'm about business when people come through, but Sean was a different different type of dude, man. He was really um he was a jokester and he just I really miss that guy a lot. Um, 
And you worked with Mac Miller a bunch. He started his career in my crib, man. He'd never been on a record. He came to my radio show, never been on the radio. His 18th birthday, the, the kids' mixtape came out, and he spent it with us. So it was like, you know, that's another dude that I miss a lot, man. Mac, I watched Mac go through so many phases, like, you know, from being uh, the biggest, like, underground rap nerd to being a, a superstar with, you know, just Mac did, he did it all, man, in a short amount of time. What um what was what do you remember of like his his rapping process? Cause he's a he was a motherfucker. He was it. a fun dude. Like Mac was, you know, he, he just you could, you know what it is, man. Like people ask me all the time, why don't you work with so and so? And a lot of times the answer, even though I don't say it publicly, a lot of times I just don't feel like some of these dudes don't care about hip hop. Like they didn't grow up getting chills when they heard Illmatic or any of that. And you don't have to be that old to even get that. Like Mac was, you know, a young kid. Yes. Joey too. Like Joey Badass always tell like. He from the literally from when he was in his mom's stomach was listening to Biggie. He was born the same day uh, Smith and Wesson, uh, The Shining came out, and you know he grew up listening to Brooklyn hip hop. And these kids are raised through hip hop, so it's like it's not about your age; it's about if you if you're into it or not. So I see certain people, and I'm just like, nah, I don't care. I don't really want to work with them. And there's a lot it. of New York rappers right now that I feel that way about that. I'm like, I feel like they rap because they want girls or they want a quick buck. Like some dudes you can see through, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I got to ask about uh, both of you guys. You knew him a little bit. I don't know if you knew him. Nipsey. I mean, this is a devastating loss yeah, for everybody. And I, for and I didn't really know him that well. That's the thing. I had met him before he came to Houston. He actually brought me out uh, when he came to, to Houston and performed a couple of years ago. And I uh, just remember him just being like a really, having a different kind of energy, right? And I'll always remember like, you know, the fact that like when they were, when he was first out and he was on the road opening up for people that he was paying his own way, right? Like, him, you know, he was hustling out there and making enough money to go out across the country, him and the homies, to try to get his message out there, man. And I, a lot of people wouldn't do that. They wouldn't spend their own money. They're trying to live their whole career off of somebody else's dime, which is smart business, but at some point, you gotta invest in yourself, you know? And what about Static? I mean, I had the privilege of doing, uh, I think three records with him, but one of them was like something that he DM'd me about. He heard a record I had, an R&B record I had with this kid Josh Exantis, Ghostface was on it. And Nipsey hit me and he's like, yo, you did that beat? I'm like, yeah, and he's like, I wanna rap on it, man. Can you send me the beat? So I sent it to him, and he, he never really, he put it on like Hot New Hip Hop, one of those sites, but he never pushed it. He just put it out as like a random mixtape song. And um, we had like gone back and forth about it a lot. And the last DM was probably like, the last time I talked to him was like 2013. He was like, yo, I'll do something for your album if you do something for mine. And I was like, I'll send something this week. And I'm pretty sure I sent something that just never got done. But, you know, it, when he passed, I, that's when I, I went and I looked at Twitter and I was like, I mean, like, let me just see what we, and I, like, going through DMs when you, you know, it's like a weird thing, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, when you look back at, but, um, nah, he was a, definitely an influence, you know, he's a, he's someone that motivates people, and that's, that's another thing that's a special trait in certain people, and, um, you know, it's just a huge, huge loss, man. Huge bro. loss. And it's um, crazy, because we both went to the store today, like, five, inside five minutes, of, yeah, five, like, maybe five minutes apart, even he might have been there when I was in there. Right. But I went, I went inside the store and um, just, just you know, it, it was like when you go to, you know, to the Lorraine Hotel where, you know, MLK was killed and just these places where you just feel this energy like, like no one can come on this space without taking away what they're supposed to take away from it. You can't casually just go by this place, you know? You feel it. Absolutely. 
Shit. It resonates. Um, wh- what the fuck just happened with you in your crib? That's some crazy shit. I wish I could talk about it. I can't really talk about it. My lawyer doesn't want me really talking about it right now because it's still, it's still long going. But um, let's just say I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, God is good. How, do, are you, like, has that changed? I mean, it just, just happened. Yeah, yeah, probably a couple of days ago. Is your whole, like, are the way you're looking at life different right now? Yeah, you could say the sun shines a little brighter now. The, the sky's a little bit bluer. You could definitely say that. Right. Because I, I, I was like, when I heard that, I, you know, and I had been talking to, to this guy about the record, and then when I heard it, I was like, and I told my wife, she doesn't know nothing about none of this. And then right. she was like, what the fuck? And you just like... That's a crazy situation, man. Yeah, it is. It and is. and just the, the irony of it, that it's you and, like, you know, the music and that it happens at home. And, like, I'm just like, I want, like, the one thing I was like, did, did this guy realize, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong guy's fucking house. <laughs> the, the funny thing about it is that if you listen to the album, he literally warns motherfuckers not to fuck with him, especially at his crib. He says it, like, a hundred times on the, t- he says, uh, I'm known to let out a whole full uh, full clip, so don't trip. And there's another one. He's like, if you come down Bun Street, like he's literally warning the dude. And then this anyone that knows Bun, listen, Bun will land in another city after a four hour flight and go shoot the video, then do the club and go to the studio. Like he's nonstop. But I've always known that about him. But this is a different level because this guy sends me the t- a detailed text of what went down. And, you know, I'm seeing, he sends me a picture. I'm like, oh, man, the whole, everything just changed. I was like, I'm in the middle of mixing the bonus tracks. And two minutes later, he goes, so how many bonus cuts we got? (laughs) I'm like, you're insane, dude. He called me, like, the cops are in the background talking to his wife, and he's talking about rap music. Anyone else on the planet would have been like, yo, I'm not going to L.A., the like it would have stopped people's lives. Bun's like, what's next? It's crazy. You can't stop living your life. You know what I'm saying? You got... You know, you look at the world and you look at third world countries where they blow up the market and then the people come back the next day and they go to work. You, life goes on. You got to get up and dust yourself off. Pray to God that you're still alive and then, you know, get back to normal as soon as you can. Now, it's not the easiest thing to do. I'll say that. But at some point, you got to you got to get back on it. You know? I hear you. Or you'll hide forever. You, you've you always uh, been open. Like in hip hop, you know, I think when we were younger, I'm sure a lot of rappers, you know, were married, had girls, but you were one of the first people that I remember like spoke openly about like having a wife, yeah. you know, and like sort of b- broke the character of Bumby, you know, like you, you and Pimp C, like it was like, what the fuck, like coming from you, I was like, what the fuck are these guys into? Like, what is yeah. this shit? But you, you've always like spoken openly and I always respected that and liked that. What made you feel comfortable doing it when, when in hip hop, no one was really doing that shit. Because, you know, I really don't have nothing to hide. And I'm trying to tell these other cats, you know, I'm trying to lead by example. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you know you got a good woman, why wouldn't you take her with you? Why wouldn't you show her off to the world, you know? Now, some people are different. They like to keep their lives private. And I could totally understand and respect that. Everybody thinks differently, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, my wife is not the kind that just wants to sit in the background. She's very vocal. She's very opinionated. And she has good opinions. Right. So I let her speak her mind. She's Like I said, she was my executive producer for my solo album. You know, it was her idea to, like, get back in the studio. Like, you need to get back. Time to start rapping again. You know, teaching is fun. All this other shit is fun. But you're in a rapper. You need to rap again, you know. And so, um, you know, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. She's my right hand. And if you know you got a good woman, you wouldn't hide her. That's you know dope. what I'm saying? That's dope. Um, yo, you campaigned for Bernie Sanders? I didn't campaign for Bernie Sanders. I, um, I gave my support to his campaign when he was running for the nomination. 
Then after after he didn't get the nomination, I kind of backed out of it. And at the time, I, I had to I had to be careful because I was just getting ready to start covering um, politics for Vice magazine. So I was a very tight window as to when I could publicly throw my endorsement in the ring because I didn't want to compromise my uh, journalistic integrity while I was writing because I was covering primarily Republicans. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? You were so, covering them. Yes. So you, like I was you, in New Hampshire. Every, all of that shit. The night, the first night, all of that shit. So, what is your takeaway? Like you, you, you kick so much street shit all these years. What is your takeaway all these years of of everything you know from from living your life and now, like you know, sort of understanding, covering, and and you know, in in a certain way, supporting politicians. What is you? What what do you make of where we are with this fucking guy? This this is how crazy politics is, right? Uh, in Houston, they did a poll of who could be the mayor. It was me, J.J. Watt, or Beyonce, right? So Beyonce won, right? She beat me by one point. Just one That's not right, bad. Right. And If you're going to lose to Beyonce, can, one point's not and bad. And I can totally handle that. I can take that L. That's not a problem. That's, you know, shout out to the Queen B. But at the same time, not a one of us are really qualified to even be the mayor, right? But, you know, it, it, it really alerted me early on that this is all really a popularity contest. Right. And these guys who were legitimately trying to be, you know, the best politician they felt they could be in the moment were not likable people and did not know how to get popularity from people. And they ran against someone who was already very popular. And once he started to espouse different viewpoints, became even more popular to people who felt a certain way about him, you know, being as liquid as he was or claims to be. And, and so now people have a different perspective. He plays a lot in the racism shit, you know what I'm saying? And so I came home and I told people after the, you know, after the, cause I was at the convention and when he got up to speak, I just walked out. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't want to be in this room right now. And I came home, I went to my barber and I remember my barber was like, so what do you think about all this shit? I'm like Trump's going to be president. You said that. I told him that shit. This was in like August. I told him, I said, Trump's going to be president. He's like, you crazy, man. The powers that be ain't finna let that happen. I'm like, who the fuck are the powers that be? What do you mean? He is the powers that be. What are you talking about? This is a rich man situation right now. This is a money play. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I was like, yo, I need to be more active in uh, getting people registered and getting people voting. And I was like, yo, I need to, I can't write anymore. I need to be in the game, you know? Uh-huh. But it gave me a totally different viewpoint of politics as a whole. And it's really just, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of disenfranchised about the whole process because it's really just a bunch of pandering for popularity. You know, they'll go to certain places to certain people and tell them what they think those people want to hear. And everybody does it on both sides. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. And do it's you, the people that do it the best, they get the most money and tend to be the forerun- the front runners. Based on what you know, where we are right now, heading into May of 2019, right. what is your prediction? Who's going to be president? I hate to say it, but I really think he's going to be president again. I, I, I hate to say it, too. I, I, but and because the, the They're Democrats, not fighting the right fight. Well, the Democrats, I've been saying it for years. You guys are you're doing so much to try to discredit him. And belittle him, and you can't really play and each other now, right? And and but you're you're still not giving me a viable candidate. That's all I've been saying all the time. You're doing all this, and I get that, and I know you want to impeach him, and I know you think it's some Russia shit and all of that. But you still, after all of that's done, you still don't have a viable fucking candidate. And now we got to pick between twenty people, 
And then eventually that's going to whittle down to 12. So then the people that went for the other people got to figure out who they want to give their vote to. And then that goes down to three, then the two. And then when we're left with one person where other people wanted 19 other different candidates, how can we unify the vote? Whereas they already know they can line up tomorrow. They're ready right now. They already know who they're voting for. Right now, they're ready. We have no unification in the Democratic Party. And we're not going to get it before, before election. No. No, that's the reality. It's fucking ridiculous. It's crazy. And this motherfucker, unless and he's never stopped campaigning, right? The no, rallies, no, the rallies that he did before he got elected are the same rallies yeah. that he does now. He's so he's just been pre-campaigning, he, which is it's it's. I don't know whose idea it was. It's him. It's genius. He's though. the fucking he. Listen, we can say though. what we want to say about him. We could talk shit. I can't stand this fucking pig. And and and, and it's he's just like, ignorant, but he's not dumb. He's not dumb. That's and the you know thing. what else he has? More than more impressive. That fucker's got stamina. Yo, this motherfucker. He don't sleep. He don't sleep. You've been on stage. You do shows. You need to drink a water in between. So this fuck will be up there. Oh, I couldn't. I can't. I've I've oh, I've hit this bottle. Probably like eight times since we've been sitting And this sitting is just here. a pocket. And that motherfucker going to talk for two hours. Nothing. No sip of water. He won't even wipe his forehead. He won't even sweat. I think he got his sweat glands removed. I think that motherfucker got his sweat glands removed. Cause, cause he barely knows how to sip the water. He has a hard time every time he goes to take a sip. But you know when you're doing a show yeah. or right now? Like Never you, underestimate your enemy. He's an animal. Never underestimate your motherfucking enemy. You got to give your enemy the due credit in order to really understand who you're fighting and how you got to fight him. And they're steady trying to play his game, and they're not built for that. No. They're not built for that. Unless you're really ready to get like, get on some Joe Frazier shit. Because all this go, uh, when they go low, we go high. Nah. I think before. Nope. I think before his son died, Joe Biden was built for this. But I think he's a different man since Bo died. And I think he doesn't want to get dirty. I think he feels like he, need to, he needs to be, he needs to live right, right, to honor his son. He's kind of almost really said that. Right. He's, he's taking into consideration his son is looking at him at all times. So he, he can't get in the mud with this dude. There's no way. He's, then you're not going to win. I, do, do you, what do you think uh, of the odds? Static, you could chime in on this of Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump actually going to blows during during. I think the, Biden during, has the most like the most realistic opportunity of any of the Democrats that I've seen so far. But I still like you said, every Republican right now is ready to vote and. You just—it was all just said. I mean, he doesn't have, not for nothing. The whole time that he was vice president, how many quotables did he have? Like, you don't remember him being in the spotlight that much. Like, Obama was a superstar. Yeah, yeah. And Biden was like—I can't even remember any. Like, I remember a couple different times that he was. Uh, it was just in looks, the mix, and he's chill. Joe, he seems Joe Biden cool. isn't Obama no more than Hillary Clinton yeah. wasn't Obama no more than any of these other people are not Obama. It was an anomaly. It happened. It's a very unique thing. It's a political unicorn, and it doesn't fucking happen again. And you don't just get that movement behind you. It I just doesn't happen. I I'm I agree. Sorry. I'm very concerned about it. It's fucking. It's a goddamn shame. And with all this finger pointing and whining, I see why these motherfuckers call snowflakes. And this whole socialism issue, like this whole term, when it's not keeps time coming to get up, cute. Right, like all that shit right there. That's not helping anything. I understand your agenda. I understand that's how you put, but. That that term itself is hurting this party internally as well as externally. I agree. What is your take on this? And don't get me wrong. I like Ocasio-Cortez. I, right. I get it. I get it. You know? Because you don't come from that world. You, ha- you had an agenda before that. And much love to you. You know what I'm saying? Because you got some good ideas. But it's the terminology. 
I agree with you on that shit exactly. I like her too, and also, but she's she thinks like, yo, you're you're still in your rookie season. Like rookies need to improve. I don't think that she thinks she needs to improve. I think she's got it all figured out. And yeah, and I, you know, and I'm like, I think there's things that she said that she would say if she got elected, right? That she really believes, and now she's there. And she wants to try to hold to her standards. And, yeah, you know, I wanted. I said I was going to stand for this. I'm going to stand for this. And again, she's got some great things. I love when she, she, when she, when she spoke on the floor. Of course, she wouldn't have been, been elected. But I, I like what she said about marijuana. It's not like I was throwing slug or anything. But I, 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 I like no, how she... No, for president, she's I like not, she you spoke, have to be a certain oh, age Oh, no, you president. have to be a certain president, age. She's, no, not she's not there not yet. No, she's not. I like what she spoke on the floor about marijuana. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And who's profiting off of marijuana versus who has, you know, really overtly been criminalized right. and, and locked up. So, again, I have a lot of things that I like about her. But when that term comes up, the other side obviously takes that opportunity to point at the finger at us to say, see, this is what happened. We told you the socialists, the communists, blah, 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 all this goofy shit that they've been saying. Right. It just reinforces the stereotype that they present to their people. And it's not helping unify the party either. It makes it more divisive. The fucking Nancy Pelosi won't even acknowledge motherfuckers on that socialist shit because it fucks up the money. Right. What is your Shit's take crazy. on what, what Bernie said this week about... It's, it's complicated, but what's your general take on what he said about felons being able to vote? And there's different levels. I know felons who did one stupid thing... And haven't had no trouble before that, since then, got wives, got kids, gun charge, did a few months, never had any trouble again. And then there's guys that, the fucking Boston bomber like Bernie was asked, and there's rapists, and there's violent criminals, and there's people that fuck people's dogs, and there's all different levels. I don't want anybody voting. You fuck my dog? Yeah, <laughs> I don't no, think no. you should vote. That's just my opinion. Okay? I think it should be the same rules. You like, fuck my cows? It should be the same rules as with guns. It's like certain people should not be able to get guns. Those certain those same people shouldn't be able to vote. Like well, what what is your take on it? Um, as much as I really dig Bernie and where he's coming from sometimes, Bernie does a really good job at generalizing shit and making it very rational, right? In the process. That's a very broad spectrum when you start talking about giving felons the right to vote. Obviously, you're gonna, you would want some discretion for a certain point, but I'm all about second chances, right? I'm all about people, like you say, who made a bad mistake, paid their crime, you know, paid for their crime. I'm, I'm all about that. You know what I'm saying? But again, that's a very broad spectrum. Right, right. There's a lot of different felonies you could have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there's certain people that we might want to exclude from what all of the regular people are doing, right? You're from tech. You're from Texas. You have a farm. Are you? You got farm guy. No, who me? Yeah. No, no, no. I come from a farm family, but I'm not. My, okay. my brother has a farm. But okay, so if farm. somebody came on your brother's property and fucked one of the horses, okay, would you? This is just specific. After I finished laughing. After but, would you? Would you want this guy? He fucked one of your brother's horses, goats, cows. Would you say, okay, uh, now you're fit to vote? This is just specific question, man. He fucked one of your horses. I don't know if he's got ducks. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. I'm asking you. You're you're from the south. I personally. That's a no-no for me. You never get that right back. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just taking a minute to deal with the picture that you painted in front of me right now. I'm trying hard to process this, like people fucking horses and shit. I, it's, it's, a, it's a big a very, thing. Very, very bad. It's uh, big. You get kicked very hard. Yeah. It's big. They're doing it out there. These guys just got 41 years in Pennsylvania. So, like, what is your take on this, Bun B? I think this, uh, when you're making those types of poor decisions, I don't think we should allow you to... In, Interrupt something that's very important. Okay. I think you may have put. Even, even if you're either. a Democrat. All right. 
All right, you guys, I know you guys got to go. I appreciate it. I could talk uh, to both of you guys individually and as a trill static group. I love the record. Quick, real quick, I know you're always doing shit. What, what's what's the next the next fire static selector? Me and uh, Currency are dropping an album in June. Uh, I got my new, my uh, ninth solo album compilation style coming out soon. Me and CJ Fly got an album. Me and Two Chains finally are dropping. It's bugged out in, in 2019 how I got three like South boom bap albums. It's crazy. It's just I never would have saw myself in that space. And now these guys are making better sounding music than some of the New York shit. It's crazy. And and one MC that you haven't worked with that you'd like to produce uh, a song Hove, for. Hove. We're working on it. We were, I've been that's been number one on my bucket list. Fat Joe was on my bucket list. Method Man was on it. We knocked those out this week, and uh, Kendrick Lamar. And I want to do something with Drake because I know Drake can really like get on those hip hop beats too. So that's like it really. Hove Wayne too. Wayne's I got a short short list, but Wayne's on there too. Bum, what's up next for you? Uh, next solo album is gonna be Bernard. You know, it's my government dropping that on uh, Bum B Day, uh, which is August 30th in Houston. And I'm working on some shit with Manny Fresh and uh, with Cool and Dre as well. So, like, the same way that I have a relationship with Static and we have a good chemistry, I got the same chemistry with those guys. So I'm just trying to be as productive as possible. I just want to, you know, because obviously it doesn't take me a lot of time to do it. And now that I've done a whole album in a day, I can't, like, put myself back in a procrastinating <laughs> situation. I can't front like I can't get it done now. So, um but, uh, man, like I said, just happy to be alive, you know what I'm saying? Happy to, you know, have this album out, you know, happy to have, have done it the way we did it. It couldn't have came out any better, you know, and um, getting ready for Gumball 3000. We need to get you on that one. Anytime. Yeah. Let we me need, know. We need to get you Let on me that, know. Mike, for real. I appreciate you guys. So much respect. Thank it's you nice so to much. meet you. Static, mm -hmm. thank you for coming, my man. Trill Static spoke on the record a bunch. I'm going to continue speaking on it. Everybody check the record out. I'll talk to you guys later. Appreciate it. All right, I want to thank my guests, Bun B, Static Selector for rocking with the best, for rocking on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. That record is available now, Trill Static. I love that record. Dope record, dope sound, dope beats, soul beats. Um, check out all their work. Check out UGK. Uh, check out Static Selector's production with Action Bronson and so forth and so on. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. You know where to find us. If you want to hit us up, I am Rapport Podcast at gmail.com. My name is the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. Mr. White Folks, a.k.a. Mr. New York, a.k.a. Mr. A.k.a. Miles Jordan, take me out of here with something real nice, something real proper. But most importantly, yes, yes, something real funky. Done. Thank you.